read from Hebrews 1 yesterday morning. I just want to read a few more verses from Hebrews 1. And we said, Hath God in sundry times in divers manners spake in times past the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And then he says, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus is upholding all things by the word of his power. And he sat down, and when he himself sat down, he has purged our sins. He's purged our sins. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of high. Because he's so much better than angels, as he hath in an inheritance obtained a more excellent name. For unto which of the angels said that thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be his son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten of the world, he says, and all the angels of God worship him. And he says here, but unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever. And thy scepter, and ever, and a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Because you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Well, we have a wonderful person to come around and worship this morning, the Word of God. We left off speaking about Moses yesterday morning, how he was coming now and approaching Egypt, and he'd been 40 years in the backside of the desert, and as we said, when God told him to go and speak to Pharaoh, he said to him, I can't speak no more. I've been with sheep and goats for 40 years. But in that 40 years, God changed Moses and converted him at the burning bush to be a man who was anointed with such power that he could face the most powerful kingdom in the world, which was the Egyptian nation, Pharaoh and bring it down with 10 judgments. Isn't it wonderful, the power of God? But then God gives him instructions on how to get these people out. You see, Moses, in the backside of the desert, he found a mountain, Mount Horeb, where, the, where 50 days after Passover, the law would be given Moses would go up this mount and he'd come down from this mount with two tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments written on by the finger of God. But in that time, this mountain had become to Moses the mountain of God. This is where he'd learnt over 40 years to communicate with God. He would say to God, but didn't you promise to bring my people out of Egyptian bondage and slavery and genocide? You promised, and there he was reminding God. Do you know when you've got something in the Word of God that's the will of God, you can go to your mountain and ask God to bring it to pass. You don't know how it's going to happen. But... When God visits you, as he did in the burning bush, and as you said yesterday morning, he turned aside. You see, in your daily life, you're going to have to turn aside from whatever you're doing to the number one person who is the most important person in your life, and it's Jesus. Because he is no longer in the tomb. He's risen. He's ascended. He's glorified, as we just read here 
He is the number one man in the universe because he's got the greatest name above all men. And all names will have to bow to him one day. And he's sitting there at the moment until all his enemies become his footstool. Well, you can get in on this authority and this communion if you want to, but eventually the burning bush experience was the conversion of Moses. And suddenly, as he turned aside, you see, we've got to turn aside. We've got to realize that the most important person is Jesus because it's only the gospel that can take you from this time into eternity. Think about it. You're here for a time, but eternity is coming. Each one of us are going to face the King of Kings. And you better give priority time to the most important person that there is. Because do you realize that we have a glorified man in the, in the, in the Godhead now? He's the first, as you're going to read it here, the first begotten from the dead. We've all been begotten of God through the miracle of the regeneration of the resurrection power of God. The power of God quickened. And we have been quickened by the same quickening and we were regenerated and made brand new people. And if you can get hold of it and run with it, you'll get some anointing on your life and you'll run and not be weary and you'll walk and not faint and you'll be strong in the power of God. Hallelujah. Because you've got somebody in you. And suddenly Moses, this encounter was the glory of God and he was completely changed. Yes, he was communing with God on this mountain. He was learning how to live in the wilderness. He was learning how to live in this arid, dry, inhospitable sort of territory. God was training him. See, at the moment, you might not see anything happen, but if you can get in training with God, your moment might come for your breakthrough. You have to be patient and wait for God's time. Sorry, I'm getting a bit dry here. I have to drink something. <laughs> and, you know, I don't quite, you know, I've often fathomed about this. How did Moses get all these instructions for the Passover? He didn't have emails, he didn't have texts. He didn't have any media. I don't think he had a typewriter, did he? You know, he got all these instructions. You know, it fascinates me. Do you know this? Do you know what faith does? It gives you a supernatural ability to hear something, see something, and actually retain it. Yeah. It actually gives you an ability, and he gets all these instructions about the Passover. It, and you see, and this is what it says in Hebrews 11. This is what it says about Moses in Hebrews 11. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. See that statement? Lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. You've got to understand that if you didn't get under the covering of the blood, when the judgment went through Egypt, you would have died. If you didn't keep the Passover, it didn't matter if you were, who you were, if you were an Israelite and you didn't do this and you said, oh, I don't believe all that stuff, where's that all come from? 
Oh, did you hear from God? And you got a delight, and, get it, and, get it, and sprinkle it with hyssop, and, and put it all... Where's it, where you got this from, Moses? Got it from God. You see, God will give you. And this is God dealing with... This is God's justification. You know, Jesus is our justifier. He's, he's bringing justice to the seed of Abraham. You know, I was talking to Tony this morning, I said, I've never really understood why Israel had to be in Israel for 430 years and become slaves and then be subject to a genocide and then suddenly God would arrive, you know, with a Moses. You know, you can't work out how God's going to do what you're going to do for you. You're going to just have to walk by faith. <laughs> Isn't it? What does it say in Hebrews? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to get faith. Well, where do you get faith from? You get it, as we said yesterday, from hearing the word. And where, how do you hear the word? You have to speak it. Yes. You do. Yes. You have to say, I read that, I'll speak it. And when you speak it, you will hear it and faith will come. See, that's why it's so important that what you say is never contrary to this word of God. Yes. Can you get this? You can't talk about anything else but Jesus and this word. And as you put it out of your mouth, it will not return to you void. Why? Because the word of God is what the Hebrews say. What is it? It's quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides what? Your spirit, soul, and body. You see, the problem for us is we think our body is bigger than our soul and our spirit. No, your body is just, you just have to keep it down. <sighs> I've had so much trouble with myself. <laughs> Me, myself, and I. It's been a great revelation to me that when me, when Jesus died, me got crucified, and me got died, and me got buried, and me's finished. And now I'm a completely new person. <laughs> so if I type talking like the old person, I'm in trouble. Big trouble. I'm in Christ. I've been born of God. I'm a child of God. I've been accepted in the beloved. I've been forgiven. I've been justified. And thank God I've been sanctified. Hallelujah. And one day I'm going to be glorified. Woo. Can you get this? Can you get this? What are you? Why is the word of God so powerful? Because it's God's word. You're t you've got hold of a book here, 66 books in it, and it's the God's word. If, if, you know, if you can get it, that it's God's word and it's quick and powerful, he's going to do all sorts of good things for you. Well, here's this Moses, and he gets this, this Passover instruction. Now, there's a bit of, I want you to understand this about the Passover. It actually is three feasts. It's Passover, Right? It's unleavened bread, right? And the third one it is, is first fruits. Now, the first fruits one, for most people, is the difficult one. This is the difficult one. I'll explain to you why in a minute. But at least, you see, the lamb that had to be brought had to be without blemish, and it had to be number one in the family of lambs. It had to be the first fruit, the firstborn. It had to be right. You see, God is very particular. He's very particular about everything. 
when you study the tabernacle, is all very specific. The measurements, the materials, everything had to be done exactly as God said. If he hadn't done it as God said, no glory, no power, nothing would have happened. And so that's for us. That, you see, what was going to bring Israel out of Egypt? The Passover. It was the final thing after the ten, and I'm not going to spend time on the, excuse me, on the ten judgments, because we be here till five o'clock tonight. Look, we just, you just, you can read that yourself. The ten judgments, how God judged Pharaoh and, and put him into a corner until he had to let God's people go. You see? You see, God has got a plan, and this, 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 um, this in Exodus 12, the Passover, the first month of the year, on the tenth day of the month, every man take a lamb each from a household, and, and every lamb must be perfect and male, and keep it to the fourteenth day. So you took it on the tenth, you kept it another four days, it's all got to be done right. It all had to be done right. Kill the lamb and take the blood and strike it on the two side posts of the door and the upper door post of your house. You then roast the lamb by fire with unleavened bread. The feast of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread's got no um, yeast in it, is it? Yeast is talking about sin. Sin. Yeah. And he kept, and they were unleavened bread and bitter herbs. It must not be eaten so, raw nor sodden, but roasted with fire. And anything left had to be burnt. All this had to be done. And you had to eat it fully dressed. Dressed. Your loins girded. Your shoes on your feet your staff in your hand, and you had to eat it in haste because that night God was going to slay, smite the whole of Egypt and every firstborn in the land. You notice it's firstborn. God wants your first fruits. So this feast, the Passover, is three really. It's Passover and leavened bread and first fruits. There's seven feasts in Israel. The middle one, 50 days after Passover, is Pentecost. The last three are tabernacles, trumpets, and the Day of Atonement. It's seven, three threes, and a big one in the middle, Pentecost. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? So in this feast, you've got three feasts, really, Passover. I know people talk about it, but it actually is three feasts, right? And, and he said, I'll go over the land, and they keep it. And when, when Israel had to keep it every year, they had to keep this every single year, they had to keep it for seven days. But you notice, when God struck it, when God brought this judgment upon Egypt, which is in Exodus. And let me look at it a minute. Should have got this ready, really. And it says here, And the blood shall be to you a token upon the houses that you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be to you a memorial, and shall keep this feast throughout all generations, and seven days you shall eat this feast. And in verse 17 it says, And shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, on this self-same day. So the two feasts with the first fruits on the self-same day. Right? 
And this is what it says. And I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe it in the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, and you shall eat it with unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month. There you are. And he says, draw out, take you a lamb. And they did all that. And this is what God said to Abraham, I will bring you out with great substance. If you read it in Genesis 15, we read it yesterday, didn't we? And this it says in verse 35, And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and borrowed of the Egyptian jewels of silver, gold, raiment. And the Lord gave them favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required. And the scripture says they spoiled the Egyptians. And they journeyed, and they prepared, and they moved out. And, and you can read it right through here. And it says, and Moses said, Remember this day that you came out of Egypt, the house of bondage. For by the strength of hand the Lord brought you out, and there shall no leaven be eaten in your bread. And he brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and at night by a pillar of fire to go by the day. Hallelujah. And he said, the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the angel of the Lord went, from bef went before the camp of Israel and removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went, went from before their face and stood behind them between the Egyptians and Israel. And the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And the Israel saw the Egyptians dead as they were drowned in the sea as they tried to follow them. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord, and they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You see, Jesus is our Passover. He is our feast of unleavened bread. Jesus had no sin. He was the first fruits. He was the first and only begotten Son of God. And he completely fulfilled that freedom that we now have through the cross, Gethsemane, the cross, and his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his glorification. But Jesus is not, he has been glorified. And I want to get, this is the background, and this is the Passover that we keep. When we keep the, the, uh, the Eucharist or the breaking of bread, whatever doing, what we're doing is remembering, like Israel remembered, what was accomplished for our freedom. We've been delivered. We've been set free. But we've got to apply it. And we're in, in, in Hebrews, Hebrews is a wonderful book. You must keep reading it. In Hebrews 12, you have something here which gives you what I call the protocol of true worship. It says, you see, this is the church. We, we are in a church down here, but we actually belong to Mount Zion. You understand? We've been quickened. The temple is now being destroyed on earth. We are the temple. We are the lively stones. We comprise really of Mount Zion that Paul is talking about in, the, well, if he wrote this epistle, in, in Hebrews 12. And this is what I want you to get, and I'm going to go on to speak about something more. But he, he, this is what he says in verse 20. But you have come to Mount Zion. We, we are coming this morning really to Mount Zion. Amen. We have come to the city of the living God. This is it, the living God. To the, to the heavenly Jerusalem. 
See, the new city that's coming is a heavenly city. The city four square. Uh, to innumerable company of angels. To the general assembly of what? The firstborn. The firstborn. Which are written in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. We didn't get the understanding of that somewhere else. And to who? The Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than out of Abel. You see, this is who we've come to. And, and we've got to realize how we come. We have to come with a true heart, washed in the Word of God, cleansed by the blood. And we have to come with a right attitude and a true heart. As we heard about Cain from Leslie, he didn't have a true heart. You can sit in church, but your worship, you've got to come and be right. What do we read in the, when we take the communion? Don't take this if you've got a wrong attitude. Don't take this if what, whatever, you have to put yourself right. Because God has given you the ability to be right. Because he's given you his righteousness. Isn't he? And with that righteousness, he now, in your walk with God, will not only impute righteousness to you at justification, but he will impart his righteousness to you as you continue to walk with him. See, this is what Moses learned to do. He learned to commune with God over those 40 years on the mountain. And he said, Lord, when is the day coming for our freedom? And when he moved into Egypt and he got these instructions of how to do this, to bring the final judgment on Egypt of freedom, this is how he did it. And of course, it's all prophesying of Christ. He is our Passover lamb. But Jesus is no longer the Passover lamb. He's risen. He's ascended. He's glorified. So what is Jesus doing now? He's your great mediator. Understand? This is what is called the great mediatory work of Christ to the church. And in Hebrews, you have what a really, a really, it's only Hebrews that gives you an insight into what the person of Christ is now, who is your great high priest. As I said yesterday, you've got to learn to be priest over your house. But he, you are a priest over your house, but Christ is the great high priest over us all. As it was said, Moses was over that house, but Christ is over our house. You see, the problem for us is we can be very self-centered in our Christianity. I've got this need, Lord. I've got this need. And I want this need met. And you see a lot of this stuff about, I've got this need and I want it met. You know, it's all a little bit sort of, well, how can I put it? Gently. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you see, a great old writer, well, you've all heard of John Bunyan, haven't you? Because he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, but he hadn't only written Pilgrim's Progress. He's written quite a lot of other good books. <laughs> and one of them, he says that a lot of people come to Christ for forgiveness of sins, but they don't really want to know the Father. You get what I'm saying? I've come to, I've come to God because I want something. I need something. Look here, the Word of God says, if you're in Christ, all my needs have been supplied according to His riches in glory. 
And then Jesus said, if your, heavenly fa if your earthly father knows how to go good to you, how much more shall your heavenly father not give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You see, your, your provision is in your union. It's in your communion. Do you get it? Do you know, if you have a son and he only turns up when he wants something, don't see them for, you know, they couldn't care less for either dead or alive, but when they're suddenly in need, knocking on the door, I need something. I'm in need. Well, look here. Have you got a heavenly father or haven't you? Or have you forgotten about your heavenly father? You know, the Lord's, on me. The Lord's on, always on my case about something. You know, you know, God is our father. And you start to go a little bit this way. And, and it's like you hit something very rough, you know. And you think, what is going on? And the Lord is, you know, is guiding you in his way. Some people, he has to put in a corner and sit on. Well, with Jacob, he had to put his thigh at a joint. I don't know what he might have to do to you. Yeah, well, I won't bore you with what I've been through, because I know you've been through enough yourself. But I can tell you, I've been through some stuff. <laughs> and I've cried, and I said, the Lord says, stop crying, get up, and be a man. No. Are you a baby or are you a man? Yeah. You see, the fact of the matter is, if Jesus is our great high priest and he's here to minister to you on a daily basis, and you say, well, you see, I've got my sins forgiven and, and I'm doing all right at the moment and I, I, I'm not too bad, I've got a bit of money in the bank and I, I can sort of cope on my own, you know. I don't really need you, Heavenly Father, at the moment. Well, you can't, be, you can't, you can't go on like that. You can't. And it makes me wonder whether some people only come to God for forgiveness of sins and they never talk about righteousness. A justification, well, they don't preach it in our church. All we've got is Passover and, and, and forgiveness of sins. Well, what about justification by faith? Well, you see, uh, we don't want to upset anybody because we don't want to put too much pressure on them, you know. And anyway, all the gifts and all this stuff finished. We're all cessationists in here. Everything ceases. But it hasn't ceased. God has not ceased moving. God is still here. The Holy Spirit is still here. The power of God is still available. <laughs> You know, the fact of the matter is, if Jesus has fulfilled all these details, every single seven feast, the feast of Passover, leavened bread, and first fruits, he's done all this work, and they had Moses. We've got somebody tremendous. We've got Jesus, the Son of God, the glorified Son of God. But he's not only saved us, he ever lives to make intercession for us. What is Hebrews 7, 25 say? He is able to save us to the, what? Uttermost that come to God by who? Him, Jesus. You have to come to God by Jesus. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. For such an high priest is it, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those priests to offer sacrifices for, for their own sins and for the people's sins, did this once for the lawmaker's sins. Men, high priests, etc., etc. Now these things, but we have such an high priest 
who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. I've got a great high priest. Do you know, this has helped me an awful lot. I feel a lot better and safer walking around. It's just wonderful. What assurance. What assurance this is. What assurance this is. That I've got somebody to represent me, my advocate, to my father. Because I make mistakes. Do you? Are you perfect? No. See, John Bunyan and these old preachers, they are very clear about this. You were saved. You're being saved. And you're going to be saved. You better watch how you, work, how you live. You better watch what you say. <laughs> and you better watch what you think. We are called servants. Paul called himself a bond slave of Christ. You know, this word comfort, it doesn't mean that I've got to be wrapped in cotton wool and I'm not supposed to have any problem if Jesus is my savior. Look here, that is not the gospel. Jesus says, if you suffer with me, you'll reign with me. You're going to suffer. You're going to have to deal with your Ishmaels. Aren't you? You can have an Ishmael in your life and you love it. And God says, take this son of the bondwoman out. Out! There's things that you will want to love, but God does not love them. You know, I love cream slices <laughs> and custard slices. They make them up the road and they're massive, these custard slices. They're about this big and about this thick. But I know it doesn't, I'm not to have too many custard slices. <laughs> but there are things you can like that are far worse than custard slices. Not there. I won't detail them. But you know what they could be and are. Yes. You have to, when that thought comes to you, that brother offended me, see. And I'm going to go there and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And the Lord says, forgive him. Forgive him. And you say to the Lord, I don't feel like forgiving him. And the Lord says to you, nothing to do with feelings. You just obey me. If you love me, keep my commandments. Love God with all heart, soul, mind and strength in this, and love your neighbor as yourself. Look, nobody's perfect. They're going to say wrong things. So you better let it in one ear and out the other. Yeah. You see, we can learn to walk by faith if we take the wonderful privilege of letting Jesus be our great high priest. So whatever problem you may have, you take it to your great high priest. Do not take it down to Father Brown down the road in some sort of cubicle. You take it to your great high priest. Don't tell people about all your warts and moles and all the rest of it. Don't give people an organ recital. Don't. 
you tell your great high priest who will tell your heavenly father and if you're behaving properly then maybe your heavenly father will sort it out for you but if you're not behaving properly your father might give you a few of these you know yeah our heavenly father is not stupid he knows everything about you he knows everything about me <laughs> It's all down. He's all got a record. <laughs> you can't fool your Heavenly Father. You might fool people for a long time and then suddenly something leaks out. Yeah. No, the Lord taught me a long time ago. Listen to a man of God. He said to me, because I told you when I was in my 40s, I, I was in, you know, I was, I was bad. I said to God, I'm so bad. And the Lord said, what about Job? I said, but I'm, I'm terrible. Uh, and, and the Lord had to deal with me. You see, he has to open your eyes. The understanding. He has to get through to you. To understand that your salvation is much more than having your sins forgiven. It's much more. You're part of a family. The family of God. You know, in the early days of the glory, we used to sing a song, we shall have a new name up in heaven. We shall have a new name. We've got a new name. Our surname is Jesus. You know, when God called Joshua out from the 12 leaders of Israel, his name was Oshia. I think he must have come from Dublin, sister. Oshia. <laughs> Sounds a bit Irish to me, but can't possibly be Irish. But <laughs> and he got his name changed to Joshua. Well, what does Joshua mean? Jesus. Well, if we are in the family of God, and God is your father, and the Lord Jesus Christ is your great high priest, your elder brother, don't you think you should go to the family first? <laughs> Keep it in the family. <laughs> don't... Don't, don't take your dirty washing outside the family. <laughs> Isn't it? Don't you think so? <laughs> yeah. So I was given good advice. So when I was going through this horrible time, I never told nobody. I just looked miserable, I suppose. <laughs> and you do go through this stuff. We go through wildernesses. And everything seems to dry up. You know, when God does something like that to you, he's trying to get your attention. You see, we're not doing what Moses did in turning aside to see and hear God. So when you go back from here, the number one person that must come to your mind <laughs> when you wake up in the morning is your Heavenly Father. That you actually belong to the family of God. I'm a child of God. And I'm here to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I can actually walk around in the fellowship and the communion and the union of my Heavenly Father. And if you have a need, and if there's something, you say, Father, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus, my great high priest. And I'm bringing this need to you. And you leave it with your Heavenly Father. You know, Irene and I don't understand everything that happens in our 50 years of marriage. We've been through so much, we don't even know what happened. We're just still here. And then sometimes we realize that God has sorted something out without us even knowing. <laughs> because if you walk with God, He goes before you. You see, when Israel went out of it, when Israel went out of Egypt, it said the armies of the Lord of hosts moved out of Egypt and went. You see, you've got a big ministry of angels all around you. The armies of the living God 
don't you think it's worth your time keeping in union and communion with the most powerful person in the universe? Yeah. Hallelujah! Wow! We are linked to somebody, isn't it? It's shouting ground, this is. This is shouting ground. We should be jumping and shouting and rejoicing in the tremendous power and victory. They were shouting when they got through the Red Sea. They, they brought the timbrels out and they were dancing on that seashore. Isn't it tremendous what Jesus has done? Well, the good news is we're only passing through. We're on our way. We're moving our tent one day's march to pitch it one day nearer home and the glory's coming and we can get ready <laughs> and we're going. You know, it's just sing, didn't we, Laurie James? What are we singing? I'm on my way to the glory land. I'm on my way to the glory land. We used to sing this all the time. And I used to say to her, when are they going to stop singing that? And, and somebody came and they said they've sung that 60 times. 60 times. But they were so happy. There was a, such an anointing. There was such a power. It just... The flow of the anointing. The river of God. You see, when you get in touch with God, Jesus said it's not only a well... It's a river. <laughs> Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Wow. We're connected to heaven. Look, we belong to different places of worship, but actually we're living stones in the New Jerusalem. We are Mount Zion. Our great minister, our great minister is our Lord Jesus Christ. And he can minister direct to you. Do you know what I found is that when God says something, our great high priest says something to me, it goes down on my computer in here. I don't forget it. It's like engraved on you. It's put inside of you. And it's not something you've got to work out. It's in your spirit. You see, what the Holy Spirit does, he takes the word and takes it from your mind and he puts it into your spirit. And when it's in your spirit, you've got it. You feel it. You experience it. You have it. And it's tremendous. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't get stiffened. You get quickened. You get quickened. We're quickened as we heard last night. Praise God. Isn't it wonderful that our Lord Jesus Christ is our great one? So don't be a believer in italics who wants to come to God to only get what he wants and not come to union and communion with your father and sit under the lordship of Jesus Christ and his father. This is it. This is the test we're in. Jesus said, if you love me, my father will come and love you and he will make his abode with you. <laughs> Do you believe that you've passed from Passover to Pentecost to Tabernacles? Do you think it's possible that you could become a habitation, you, 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 a habitation of God through the Spirit? That Christ will be ministering to you each day. And as you come to the word, you'll say, wow, isn't that wonderful? I can see who I am in Christ. I'm looking into the mirror, James says, of the perfect law of liberty. Passover brought freedom. The cross and the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus brought me redemption. It brought me freedom. Hallelujah. I'm released. Hallelujah. I can move out and I can move in. As we heard last night, I can get through my wildernesses. I can cross my Jordan. I can take the cutting of the word of God where it says to be cut it out. Cut it out. And it might be painful because you really love it. I remember when I got blessed through Henry, I 
used to play in the Gloucestershire team of tennis, you know. And it was a really nice club, this type of tennis. And I used to play in these tournaments. And I remember I won this one tournament. And they said, well, you're going in the mixed doubles now. And they brought this girl on, beautiful blonde girl. Oh. I was looking at this girl. I couldn't play tennis. <laughs> I thought, I thought, that's just the girl I'm looking for. And the Lord said to me, it's not. It's not the girl you're looking for. <laughs> And, I, and, uh, and they said, well, after this, we're going now to the club. <laughs> the country club. You know. And the Lord said to me, what are you doing in this country club? <laughs> yeah, God's got ways and means to extract you. Oh, yeah, I've been through all sorts of nonsense. God has got ways and means and it's not easy and it's painful. Circumcision is painful. I don't need to go into it. <laughs> yeah. But you've got the power of the Holy Spirit to help you. Understand this? You're not on your own. <laughs> You're not on your own. I think Moses thought for some times he was, but I believe as he went up that mount and he found God, and God began to speak to him, and God began to commune to him. And God, see, you can find your mountain of God. It might be your summer house. Well, if you haven't got a summer house, it might be something else, I don't know. But anyway, the, the doors are falling off my summer house, I need new doors. Anyway, I, you've got to have somewhere, Jesus says, where you get alone with your father and the son. Mm. Because really, he is the most important person in your life. So when you go back from the conference, you can say to yourself, well... I actually do believe that I'm in the family of God. And I do actually believe now that I've got a heavenly father. And I've got a great high priest. And if Jesus is, give, is my Passover, well, he is my baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He is my Pentecost. He can fill me with the Spirit. And do you know what I pray every morning? I, I was at three o'clock, I couldn't sleep. I said, Lord, just please fill me, because I just feel a bit sort of, ugh. You don't go by feelings, but you can ask to be filled. But when you do get really filled, you do get feelings. <laughs> When they went out on the streets, they thought they were drunk. And it was only nine o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? So that's why we rejoice. Hallelujah. We mustn't go for the feelings. We must go for the word, to hear the word, to have faith, to walk by faith. And as you walk by faith, as your days, so shall your strength be. This is a supernatural gospel. We don't believe in liberalism. L liberalism believes the supernatural has been taken out of the gospel. We don't. We believe it's in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. And to those of salvation. Wherein the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness. We believe the whole thing. Don't we? We believe the whole thing. We got our freedom. What does Paul say? Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. You have to make a stand because Satan is going to attack you. 
He wants to steal your inheritance. He wants to steal your relationship with God. He wants to take away your understanding who God your Father is and your Jesus, your great high priest. So we can come to him. It's wonderful. Do you know what it says about Jesus? Who in the days of his flesh is Hebrews 5 7 when he'd offered up prayers and supplications with what strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared though he were a son yet he learned he obedience by the things this is Jesus by the things which he suffered and being made a perfect and being made perfect he became the author he's the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him well I want to obey him I'm not going to be a Cain and want my way no I want to do what Jesus says John 2.5 says, whatever he says to you, do it. You fill the water pots with water, even if you want wine. That's faith. You obey God, and you put the water in, because you know God can, just when you pour it out, it comes out as first-class wine. Hallelujah! We've got a God of miracles. He can turn your mourning into dancing. Hallelujah. He can cause you to rejoice. As Alan said, that rejoice and always rejoice. And keep rejoicing. And keep drawing from the wells of salvation. How do you draw from the wells of salvation? With joy. With joy. That's the bucket that gets the water out of the well. So we're going to rejoice in the Lord. For He is good, isn't He? Isn't He wonderful? Isn't He a wonderful Savior? He not only saves me, saved me, he's saving me, and I'm going to be saved because I'm going to walk with God. Hallelujah. Will you walk with God like Abraham and Moses and Jochebed? When everything looked so black, what a woman of faith she was. She, she brought and educated and trained a boy who would be the, one of the greatest men of God ever lived, Moses. You don't go to Moses' grave. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. We have a gospel that will, is, is wonderful. It's a tremendous gospel. There's nothing like it on the planet. It's the best news you can ever hear. We've got the good news. So keep looking in to the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. You better make sure you honor him as your great high priest. The mediatory work of the present day ministry of Jesus Christ. He ever lives to make intercession for you. Can you get it? He ever lives to make intercession for you. You better go to him. You better come to him. You better serve him. You better obey him. Because there's nobody like him. Oh. We lift up our hands to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. For this so great a salvation. Lord, the more we look into it. The more wonderful it becomes, Lord. The more glorious. It's beyond our comprehension. We can't estimate how great you are, Lord. But you are glorious. You are beyond words. But we give you honor and praise and glory. And you say, come, come, Holy Spirit, and fill your temples. Fill your habitations, Lord. We desire to be a habitation of God through the Spirit. And we pray that you will fill us and give us insight revelation knowledge wisdom guidance 
and you'll bless our going out and you'll bless our going in that we will say we are the children of God we are the family of God you are our father our Abba Father thank you Father thank you Father we thank you Lord for this so great a salvation we praise you we praise you Lord